blessing it is that God has blessed our church that we can help others. Amen? And that's what it's all about. So I thank the Lord for that. I want to continue on in a sermon series called Back to the Basics. And I, I anticipated this being the last sermon of the series, but I think I may come back and do one more sermon to close the series out, uh, let these thoughts sit with us a little bit, and then maybe just have one other thought that I want to share with you. I was going to include it within this sermon, but this sermon sort of became two sermons. So uh, we may have one more sermon to close out this series uh, after we let it sit for a little bit. But I want to talk to us this morning about come as you are, come as you are. If you think about the last several weeks as we have preached, hopefully with courage, but hopefully also with compassion, as I have endeavored to talk to us about some things that have presented themselves in our society, lifestyles and worldviews, uh, definitions of family, definitions of marriage and things that are contrary to God's word. I hope that things have come across with clarity and conviction and courage, but also with compassion. Why do we preach what the Bible says? Why do we teach what the Bible says? It is motivated by compassion. One of the writers talks about having courage and, and even snatching those from the fire, if you will. And we tell the truth because we love people. We tell the truth because sin is harmful to people. Sin destroys lives. And so this morning I want to preach along that line about come as you are. My first slide this morning, as you see on the screen, is an introduction to what I'm calling the problem of sin. Can I tell us this morning that sin is a problem? Do not be fooled. Sin is a problem. Do not fool yourselves. Do not allow others to fool you. Do not allow the enemy, Satan, to fool us. Sin is a problem. Sin affects the individual, but sin also affects other individuals. I've heard people say, well, my sin is not hurting anyone else. Well, that is not true. That is simply not true. A sin, any sin, the sin problem affects the individual, but it also affects those who are associated with the individual, whether that's intentional or unintentional. I'm preaching with love this morning. There are two forces that are vying for our attention the God of this age, the little G, we talked about him several weeks ago, Satan, the devil, but we also have God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. They are vying, those two forces are vying as if almost like a tug of war for our attention. And more and more, the enemy is bombarding our minds and lives trying to gain our attention. The enemy, through means of technology, through means of communication, through means of connection, he has, listen to me this morning, he has almost, if not, instant access to us and to our children. 
with this, well, it's not on my pocket right now, but usually, or on my side right now, but my phone is usually right there. All manner of evil can be accessed. Now, I'm not preaching against having a cell phone, but what I'm preaching about this morning is we need to be alert and we need to understand that the generations that are following us and the young people, even who are a part of our church, there is an instant connection or plug in to the things that the enemy would love for them to hear, see, and witness. And he is vying for our attention. But the Holy Spirit is still in this world today and he too is vying for our attention. He too is drawing men and women and boys and girls to himself. He too wants to still pour himself out upon us and upon the future generations just as it is prophesied in the book of Joel. He is vying for our attention. These two forces are not only vying for our attention, but they are vying, they are fighting, they are struggling for our very lives. Not only are they after our lives, not only is the enemy after our lives, the enemy is after our family's life. The enemy is after the children. Every, every newborn that is associated with this church and church family, the enemy is already creating a strategy to try to steal their very soul. Is that alarming this morning? And these two forces are vying for our eternal destiny. Do we ever think about the fact that you and I and our family members and our friends and our co-workers, all of us will spend eternity somewhere, whether it be in heaven or whether it be in hell, whether it be in the very presence of God and the saints of all the ages, or whether it be in a place of torment and isolation from God and everyone else, a lake of fire that's talked about in the book of Revelation. You see, God and Satan are struggling. And really, it is as if they say, and the title of this message this morning, come as you are. You see, the enemy looks at us and he's, he doesn't really care who we are, what we have done, anything. He really wants us as we are so he can destroy us. But the good news is we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who also looks at us and says, come as you are. It doesn't matter the sin. It doesn't matter the struggle. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you have done, how you have failed or how you have succeeded. Our Savior says, come as you are. It is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to say amen this morning. But you see, Satan uses sin and unrighteousness to separate us from God. And his main tactic this morning, one of the main premises, I guess, of this sermon today, his main tactic is deception. Deception. What is deception? What is it when we're being deceptive? It is giving an appearance or an impression that is different from the true one. You see, Satan is an imitator of everything of God. He imitates everything of God, yet what he is trying to accomplish is so polar opposite of what God is trying to do in our lives. He is deceptive. And the world is being deceived constantly, is it not? 
Genesis 3, 4 shows us where this deception started. Genesis 3, 4 said, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Now, you know the context of this. Eve and Adam, they had been instructed of of things they were allowed to do and of, of a certain tree to not eat the fruit thereof. And God told them, if you eat this fruit, you will what? Surely die. But Satan said to the woman, you will not surely die. You see, the tactic of Satan, the tactic of the enemy of our very souls today is to say to us, God didn't. God didn't really mean that. The Bible isn't the literal word of God. The Bible is a progressive revelation from God. That's what the enemy will say. The enemy will say, well, God has given you the ability to decide what is right and what is wrong. And it's all relative to you. And to your circumstances, the enemy will say, God didn't really say that. The enemy will say other things. He will say, well, it's not really wrong. It's not really sin. That, you, know, you know, God looks over these things. Does God look over sin? Has God changed the definition of sin? But I do have good news. He does look over sin that has been covered by the blood of Jesus. And that's the good news that I share with you this morning. But the enemy will try to deceive us. God didn't really say it. Or that's not really sin. There's really no such thing as as sin, righteousness or sin. And then thirdly, he will try to say to us, well, there's no real consequences. You know, your sin is not affecting yourself. It's not affecting others. There, There are no consequences He will even go as far to try to say a loving God will never send someone to a literal burning hell. He will go as far to try to convince us and deceive us that there is no place called hell. I was reading last night about a place called hell. I was reading last night as I've been reading and studying some things about the book of Revelation and it rocked my world afresh and anew. There is a literal burning hell. Do you know who talked about hell more than anyone? Jesus. But Satan will try to convince us of these things. 2 Corinthians 11.3, Paul picked up on this same thought when he said, but I fear least somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. So your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity or what he's saying there is the pure and sincere devotion that is in Christ. You see, Paul is warning the church at Corinth. He's warning us this morning to tell us that just as Satan used the serpent to deceive Eve, Satan is trying to deceive you and I. And he's trying to deceive our our families and our society. But I wanted to share with you this morning that in John 8 and 32, Jesus said, and you shall know the truth. And what happens when we know the truth? And the truth 
shall make you free. Why is it important as a church that we teach the truth? Because the truth will make men and women and boys and girls free. Why is it important that over in the children's church that the teachers are teaching the truth of God's word? Because the children will know the truth and what will happen? The truth will make them free. Why is it important that from this pulpit, every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we strive diligently with all of our heart to preach the truth? Why? Because the truth will make us free. Do you know the truth? I want to tell you this morning, you don't have to wait. I don't have to wait to be here on a Sunday or on a Wednesday to hear and explore the truth. I can read the truth myself. Do you read this book? Do you study the truth? Do you delve in to God's word? So we're talking about coming as we are. And I have good news for us this morning that Jesus Searches for sinners. The Bible said that in the fullness of time, Jesus came upon this earth. We see examples all through the New Testament of Jesus searching for sinners. Who are the sinners? Well, let's look at that. Romans 3.23. Who are the sinners? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Now, I would tell you, look at your neighbor and say, you're the sinner. <laughs> but then they would have to look back at you and say, no, you're the sinner. <laughs> you see, we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus comes for us. And through the Holy Spirit, he begins to draw us to himself and encourage us, us to take care of the sin problem. How do we take care of the sin problem We say, Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sin. I still believe in, can I say it this way, old-fashioned repentance. I don't know that I need to say old-fashioned because it will never go out of style. I still believe in repentance. I still believe that we should confess our sins and he is what? Faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Sins. I think about how Jesus searches for the sinners. I think about a sheepfold of a hundred sheep, the parable that Jesus talked about. You know that story. And one, just one, had strayed away from the ninety and nine. But Jesus left the ninety and nine who were safe in the fold, and he went searching until he found that one lost sheep and picked him up in his arms and carried him back to the fold. Why do I get excited about that? Because I was the one lost sheep. You were the one lost sheep. Couldn't Jesus just say, I have children throughout all the ages, the Old Testament saints, and and, and I have the church, the New Testament believers, and I have enough who are worshiping me, but no, just one more, just one more. And that one could be you, that one could be me, that one could be that family member that we love so much. I wanna encourage you to know this morning that Jesus is searching for them. He's drawing them through the Holy Spirit. He's asking them to come. He's bidding them to come. So in light of all of these things that we have talked about this morning, In light of all of these things that we have talked about in this sermon series, 
I thought Matthew 7, 1 and 2 would be a good scripture for us to to think about as we ponder all of these things that we've endeavored to preach about truth and righteousness and grace and mercy that comes from God. And it says this, judge not that you be judged. We have, it is imperative for us as believers during these times in which we live to not let ourselves fall into a judge mental mindset and attitude. We speak the truth. We do not compromise the truth. We live out the truth, but we do all of those things in love. We do all of those things remembering that Jesus came and saved you and I, and where would we be without the mercy and grace of God? Let me be clear this morning. Speaking the truth, in love, teaching the truth in love, preaching the truth in love is not judging. Now there is a mindset in this world today that when we speak the truth, sometimes immediately it's thrown back at us, you're judging, right? But speaking the truth in love is not judging when it's motivated by love and compassion, when it's motivated by saying to others that you can have a better life through Jesus Christ, when it's motivated by saying God did not design you for this, you're being deceived by the enemy, let me show you a better way. Am I preaching all right this morning? But if we aren't careful, we can fall into this mindset and it's easy to do, isn't it? It's easy to do. We look at things happening in our world and we shake our heads. We get frustrated. Sometimes we get angry. But we cannot become judgmental. We're not the judge, but we're the messengers of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse two. For what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's pretty sobering when you, when you think about that. I think we ought to stick to love and compassion and conviction and stick to this word right here and stay off of our high horse because our righteousness is what? It's filthy rags. Speak to the message of the scriptures. He goes on in that passage to talk about having a speck in a brother's eye but a plank in our own eye. Can you, can you think of how crazy that would be this morning if I walked in here with a two by four sticking out of the side of my eye and I looked at one of you and I said, you've got a speck of dust in your eye. <laughs> what did Jesus say do? He said, take care of your own problem. Take care of your own problem. So the, the time that we should judge, and you, it's scriptural that it says judge yourself so you don't have to be judged. So the time to judge is to judge ourselves and to judge how we're living. Anger and hate. I saw this written somewhere this week and it fits well right here. Anger and hate are not the way of Jesus. We are not angry people. We are not people filled with hate. That is not our way. That is not his way. Instead, we are called to be a light to others to show love to others and to declare the truth to others through our lifestyle and through our words with love. Jesus is searching for the sinner. But I truly believe this. My next point is this. Sinners 
are really deep down searching for a savior. There may be people in your life, there may be family members in your lives, and you think, will they ever come to know Jesus Christ? Do they even care? I wanna try to give a little good news on that this morning. I believe that largely most sinners are really deep down still searching for a savior. They might seem hard and abrasive on the outside or cold or indifferent or distracted, but deep down in those quiet moments, deep down in those reflective moments, they realize they need a savior. Now, I know it is scriptural that, that the Bible talks about some that have gone so far that the Holy Spirit has stepped back and they've been allowed to believe a lie and, and to be damned. I know that there are some that are that far gone, but I believe largely, largely, that most people deep down, they're still searching. And, and in those quiet times, they know they're searching for something or someone. And I just pray that by the Holy Spirit that maybe some success will come to their life or some happiness will come to their life or some good event will come to their life that will draw them and their focus to Jesus Christ. Or as hard as it might be to say that maybe some heartache or even heartbreak or tragedy that comes to their life may draw them to him. Do you know God uses those things? As hard as it is sometimes to see those things happen, as difficult as it is to watch those things happen, sometimes God is allowing bad things to happen in people's lives to get their attention directed back to him. But sinners are searching for a savior. There was a sinner in the New Testament by the name of Zacchaeus who was so desperately searching that he climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. Can you imagine climbing up in a tree as a grown man to see Jesus? Can you picture that for a moment? This man was a somewhat prominent man, probably very wealthy man. A lot of people knew this man, but he found himself up in a tree looking for Jesus. And as odd as that sounds and as peculiar as that sounds, I believe we can step back and we can look at people in our lives and we can see them in certain situations. Maybe they're not in a tree, but they find themselves in certain situations that seem odd, that seem peculiar, that seem uncharacteristic. And we might say, why in the world are they living like that? Why in the world are they making those decisions? And I believe it's being motivated many times on the end inside because they're searching and they're longing and they need something. They need someone. God, help us to see through, if I can say it this way, see through the trees. God, help us to see through the peculiarness, the oddity maybe of what's going on in somebody's life and realize the need is the Savior. Oh yes, they might be in the tree, so to speak, but what they need is the Savior. Who they need is the Savior, Jesus, to pass by and to look up in the tree and say, hey, come on down, I wanna go to your house today. Oh, I would this morning. 
As I look around this room and I know all of you and I know many of your family members and I know some of your family members who who are searching for Christ right now and oh how I would long to think that Jesus would come by their way today and invite them to sit down and talk things through. Wouldn't that be a beautiful thought? Isn't that what we're praying for? For all of our children, for all of our grandchildren, for all of our great-grandchildren. You see, there are two forces that are saying, come as you are. Come as you are. But the one force, the one drawing is Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit who is saying, come and become who you are designed to be. Come and become who you are designed to be. To be. You see, this is not just a salvation or evangelistic message this morning. That's part of it. But I want it to also, on my heart today, was also to remind every one of us in our walk with the Lord to come a little closer to Him. Isn't it easy at times, isn't it possible sometimes, for us to drift away? in our relationship with God. And I wanted to stop right here this morning and just remind us as believers, those of us who have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, don't let the deceiver pull us away from that intimacy with him. Is that all right today? Don't let the distractions of this world pull us away from being who he has designed us to be. Don't let the problems of this life pull us down and stress us out to such a place that our relationship has become strained with our creator, with our savior. You see, the message this morning is not just to those who who are sinners, those who are lost, who, who don't know Christ as their Savior, but it's to us as well to say, come back to where we need to be with him. And let him make us who he has designed us to be. Reminded of the old song, just as I am without one plea. The simplicity of that lyric, yet the profoundness of that lyric. There are times in our lives where we just need to step back and say, God, I don't have any plea. What does he mean, plea? We don't have any bargaining. I don't have anything to offer you. I don't have any justification for what I just did or what I just said. I don't have any justification for how I've been living my life. I have no redemption, no redemptive value in me to take care of the nonsense that I have allowed in my life. But just as I am, without a plea, without an excuse, without a reason, without a justification, but just as I am, I stand before you as a sinner who is in need of the saving grace of God. And doesn't it just boil down to that this morning? Doesn't it just come down to that very fact that every single one of us stand 
If I can say it this way, we stand naked before the eyes of God. He sees all, hears all, knows all. He sees our sin. He sees our weakness, our frailty, our failures and our faults. We stand without one plea. But I like the next line of that song. But that thy precious blood was shed for me. Praise God. Hallelujah. I am not good enough. I can never be good enough, but I stand before you and I claim the blood of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It's the message that we need to remind ourselves of. It is the message that our families need to hear. It is the message that this world so desperately needs to hear. And to say, quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to rationalize it. Quit trying to live your own way. But stand before your creator and say, just ask. I am. Come and become who you are designed to be. I want to share two scriptures and then we're going to pray. Matthew 11, 28 through 30. This is Jesus speaking to you and to me. He says, come to me. All you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy. What is that yoke talking about? It's talking about coming across us and across our lives and then causing us to walk in that person's footsteps. But my yoke is easy and my burden is light. David Jeremiah said it this way, the most gracious of commands in the Bible start with the word come. And that word come implies come now. Come now. When is the day of salvation? Today. Come now. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you're here in this building, if you're watching this on the internet, and you hear this invitation to come, and you say, well, when should I come? Come now. Come now. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I want to close with this scripture, Isaiah 118. Come now. And let us reason together. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Would you stand with me? 